We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Well, this morning, if you are joining us for the first time, uh, or I just haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, uh, my name is Chapman Laxton, and I'm an associate pastor here at Christian Ministries Church. And uh, Pastor Ashley right now, this morning, is uh, ministering at a church in Kansas City. Um, just going up there, and, and they've, he's done a, their men's conference up there, and uh, so he's he's uh, up in Kansas City preaching. Um, so this morning, uh, he 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 tasked me. He said, "I want you to I want you to preach on something that he and I just a couple weeks ago were were really diving into, um, and and it was following uh, the we we were right in the middle of our wonderful life series. And if you if you missed any of that, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Um, but as we were as we were talking and as we were just discussing. Uh, God's word and different things. We we got to talking about there's there's a certain theme that that just every time we we were just discussing the the, the sermons and, and the different things that there was something to the, the the wonderful life that God's given us that and 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 the power that God wants us to walk in. It's all because of a certain reason, and uh, and and we 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 were, we were talking about just the different things and and it boils down to to one one main point, but. The, we we were talking out of out of Isaiah while I was while I was speaking, and I talked about how uh, God God came to to release us from the yoke of slavery that was placed upon us through our sin natures by by our fleshly desires. Um, and uh, I I referenced Isaiah nine, but I really I really taught out of Galatians five one, which says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And and while we were while we were talking about that, I, I just I kind of made this point. The reason why God wanted you to be free is because He loves you. That's it. The, the reason why God wanted to see you born again and saved is because He loves you. Not, not because He needs you. Not because he, if he can't have you, then, then something, there's some deficiency or some insecurity or something on his end. No, God released you from the bondage of, of sin and, and, and the slavery to our old lifestyles simply because he loves you. And, and we just got to talking about that, just, just that, that God's love is so powerful, and, and it, it, it came to this prevailing idea that just kept coming up as we just kept talking. We just we were talking, talking, talking. We have to get an understanding if we're going to walk in the, the theme of our year, this, this year, if, if, you, if you missed it coming in, is Zoe, the God kind of life. You'll never have the God kind of life if you don't understand the love of God. The love of God. And, and, and it came to this thought that we, we are going to have to talk about and gain some level of understanding on the love of God if we're going to understand the kind of life that God wants us to live. And I say gain some level because the love of God has no bound. There's no parameter to the love of God. Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19 says, And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. 
Okay, he says, he says you, should, you, should, you should be able to understand, but just understand this, and your understanding of God's love is too great to understand. Everybody has to have some kind of understanding. You've got to have understanding God loves you. And experience that and grow in that wisdom. But to fully understand God's love, you can't. Because there's no limit to it. There's no limit to it. But we've got to have an idea that God loves us if we're going to pursue the power and the kind of life that he wants us to have. Because if God loved us enough to free us, why wouldn't he love us enough to empower us? If he loved us enough to empower us, why would he keep some things back from us? If, if he doesn't keep things back from us, then what's stopping us? We don't have, we trace our steps back, we don't have an understanding of the love of God. Because we say it all the time. Because we hear it all the time, well, God loves you. Well, I, God is love, God is love. God, we've got to get a tighter grip on the love of God and begin to get some semblance of understanding of just how much God loves us because it will take us deeper than some of the philosophical things that we're trying to wrestle with, the things that we're trying to Google answers for, the things that are keeping us up at night has less to do because we don't have an understanding of those things. It's because we don't really understand how much God loves us. Well, if God good, why bad happen? Well, if, if God loves the world, why, why are people hungry? So recognizing that God doesn't just love you, but rather is the inventor and the sole proprietor and is love himself will cause you to see your life from a better perspective where you won't struggle to decide for the, well, if God loved me, why bad guys rich? Well, if God loves me, why, why is my prayer not getting answered so fast? See, we, we don't have an understanding to a degree of God's love in areas, and that's why we find ourselves wrestling with things, because we don't really know what God's love means. See, the man who blames God for not answering his prayers immediately needs to thank God for not punishing him for his sins immediately. We want, we want God to answer our prayers, boom, boom. And then we get mad at God when he doesn't, but why doesn't God punish us immediately? Because I don't know about y'all, but I can remember. I can remember my sin. But even though I remember my sin, it doesn't cause me to turn away. I remember, oh, wait a minute, God loves me. I, I want to challenge you guys today. And encourage you in this, that you don't need to become more articulate in your theology to strengthen your apologetics. You only need to seek out the fact that God loves you and to know it deeper today than you did yesterday. If you want to have a stronger faith, you don't need stronger theology. You need a stronger understanding of just how deep, just how wide, just how high the depth that God's love is for you. You don't need to wrestle with things as much. See, I have come to a place that I know that no matter how good I am, I can never validate the love that God has for me. 
See, I can't earn God's love. I didn't earn it in the beginning when he gave it to me. And therefore, if I didn't earn it in the beginning when he gave it to me, I can't earn it in the middle. I can't earn it a little bit further down past the middle, which is where I'm starting to get a little bit now that I'm getting a little older. If I didn't earn it to begin with, I'm not earning it now. Are y'all with me? God loves me, and he loves me because he loves me. And there's security and a standard in this revelation when you begin to see how God loves us and how much he loves us. The security is I can't live my life in a way that earns God's love, therefore I don't have to perform for it. It's not performance-based. God's love is God's love, and he loves us because he loves us. And there's security in that. I'm comforted in that. But the standard it calls me to can be tough. And the standard it calls me to is this question, what do I do now? What do I do now, now that I know that he loves me so much and so greatly? Now that there's no one to blame, there's no system, there's no king, there's no leader, there's no ruler, there's no circumstance, there's no depth, there's no length, there's, no, there's nothing that could happen that could separate me from the love of God. The standard that it calls me to is, what do I do now? Now that there is no excuse. That, 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 that there is nothing that keeps, how do I choose to live now that I know that God loves me? Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, says, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath that he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. See, it's not because of how great. It's not because of your potential. It's not because of how good you look. It's not because of how rich your mom and dad was. It ain't because of how poor your mom and dad was. It ain't because of of your athletic ability or your intelligence. It has nothing to do with your righteousness. It has nothing to do with God loved you simply because he loves you. He chose you. He's called you. He's set you aside. He's set you apart. He picked us. I don't know. He picked us. What are we going to do? How are we going to live? He loves us. What are we going to do now? He loves us because he is love. It's, he's not, he doesn't, it doesn't say he picked us because he needed something from us. He didn't give us his love because he thought, boy, I can, if, I can, if I can work this out just right, No, he loves us because he loves First John 4, 16 says, God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And this last part is key. 
and God lives in them. This passage of scripture is taken out of context way too often. Because the world gives a love that, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, that isn't a godly kind of love. See, the world tries to tell us that love equals blanketed acceptance. That is, that is not what God is. I think we can all agree with that. Do this, don't do this. Not just the very, God is not blanketed. But if it says that God is love, he doesn't just give love, he is love. Then if we can come to a deeper revelation of what that can do in our lives, it says, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Talked about this passage of scripture back a couple weeks ago. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, the spirit that God gives us is not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and soundness of mind. Well, see, when we begin to understand the love of God and begin to live in God as He is love, we begin not to operate in the flesh, but rather we begin to operate in that spirit that God gives us. And that spirit is a spirit of love. See, it's the revelation that there is power accessible through God. Yet only when you begin to understand the power that's made accessible to you because God loves you. See, if you don't believe that God loves you, you'll have a hard time believing that God wants to empower you to live a life more abundant. When we struggle with the idea, does God really love me? Why would we then think the secondary benefits of a loving God would come into our life? The, the power and the authority is all secondary benefit because of a relationship of love that God has for us. So if we begin to question the love that God has and the love of God for us, everything else falls like a house of cards because we're not founded on that truth. See, Mel was talking a little bit about this on Wednesday night when she was talking about the Holy Spirit was the down payment of what is to come. The down payment of what is to come. And, and, I, and if you missed that, I don't want to re-preach everything that she, that she taught on. But we, we started this new series in Ephesians for Wednesday nights. And, and, and while it's a new series, the book of Ephesians has been out since the year 0062 estimation. And that's, if, if you ain't real good at math, it's like 1,962 years. The math works out real good. All right? And the reason why the, this book still has revelatory power is because what Paul is teaching them is just how deep the love of God is for them and what the love of God has purchased for our lives. That's why it still has power, because it's the Word of God, because the Word of God is love and God is love. Because when people begin to see the power that God has for us through His love, where the lost can be found, where the weak can be strengthened, when what's broken can be mended, when what's dead can be raised back to life through love, 
where one man's trash is God's treasure. Where white trash is God's treasure. The love of God becomes more than just an idea. There becomes real power when you begin to see what God has done for us. See, this is the gospel that Paul was defending. This is the gospel that the disciples gave their lives for. And I want you to consider this. Men might fight or die for something that they don't know whether or not it's true or not. I want to to say that again because I don't want this to be confusing. Men might fight or die for something that they don't know whether or not it's true or not. That's why there's a bunch of different faiths. Muslim faith, Hindu faith, Buddhist faith, all the the different faiths, all the different kingdoms, all the different... People will fight and die for things that they don't know whether or not they're true, but they have faith that they are, so then they fight or they die. However, men will not die or fight for things that they know to not be true. You think about your life, would you give your life to something that you knew, knew to not be true? I'm not giving my life to that. I'll give my life to what I believe is true or to what I think is true. That happens every day. Men and women all over the world give their lives to things that they believe will satisfy them, will please them, will bring them to a play. But men and women will not give their lives to things that they know are not true. When you think about the disciples and you think about the events leading up to Christ's Death, burial, and resurrection. And what they witnessed and what they experienced. For them to fake something that they knew to not be true for personal gain could be believable. If they could go around and replicate Different things, okay, that's believable. For them to go and try to make money, that's believable. For them to to go and to try to get more influence, that's believable. But for 12 men to go out after Jesus died, if he had not been resurrected, if he had not shown them his love, if he had not poured out his spirit on them, for them to then go out and to be martyred, on Christ's behalf for his love would make no sense. The only plausible reason for men to go out, and and understand this, they were not murdered. Murdered is someone takes your life. Martyred is, I gave my life. When Jesus was was, was on trial before Pilate, and Pilate said, do you not understand that I hold in your hands, in my hands, your life? Jesus said, you hold no authority except that which has been given to you. The the disciples knew God's love. They knew the power. They knew what it could bring to people's lives. Therefore, they went and they gave their lives, and they followed what Christ's example was. 
because they knew it to be true. See, this is, this is what we're ta- this is this is why this is so important. This is why God's love, when you begin to experience it, you don't come to a place where you question anymore. You just know it to be true. I know God's love to be true. I don't require faith to believe in God's love because I've witnessed it, because I've experienced it. I don't need faith to believe that Miss Teresa got up here and sang this morning. I'm not trying to get too deep. I'm just trying to give an example. To help drive it. I don't need, I don't need faith because faith is the evidence of things not seen. We all witnessed Teresa up here singing. It's this, and, and, and while even that could be a whatever, it's an indisputable fact that, that Teresa was up here. She sang, she sang the songs. We heard her, we saw her, we, ex- we experienced it. We There's not going to be any convincing to any of us that she was not right here playing the guitar and singing. When you come to the place where you experience the love of God, you following me? When you come to a place where you experience the love of God, while even Miss Teresa being up here and it is a natural thing. God never changes. This is going to free somebody today. And if you experience God's love here, and you are here now, God loved you then, and he loves you right now. You don't need faith to believe that God loves you. You don't need convincing to believe or you shouldn't need convincing to believe that God loves you. And if God loves you and we walk down the train of thought, then that means that there's a life that God has for you to live. And if there's a life that God has for you to live, then he's given you authority and power to live it. And if he's given you authority and power to live it, what has he held back from us? Love of God's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We don't need faith to believe in God's love because once you experience it, you know that it's there. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Where we were there, we were therefore. Buried with him through baptism into death in that order. Just as Christ was raised from dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, I don't ever do this because I'm not a Greek person. So I don't always get in on the Greek. But there was something in me whenever I was reading that verse and it was just going all through me. New life. New. You want to know what that what that life translates to in the Greek out of that passage of Scripture, the newness of life that you've been raised to, I'll give you a hint. It's back there on the back wall or on the entrance when you come into the sanctuary. Zoe. Zoe. The love of God that you were baptized into, 
that laid your old man to death, that raised you to life and put a new spirit inside of you so that you could live a new kind of life is to produce a Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life. That's what God wants you to live. And it's all purchased for us because God loves us. Deuteronomy 14, 2, because I, I got some points I got to get into. But Deuteronomy 14, 2, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The treasure that God has placed inside of us jars of clay, the treasure that God has placed inside of us, the deposit of the Holy Spirit that's been placed inside of you is the seal to show that you are operating under the new covenant that says God is love. And he loves you. And God loves you. And God loves you. And he wants to show you each and every single day. We're not under the old covenant. We're not old Adams. We're new Adams. See, Adam in Genesis, when he sinned, he cast all of man into a lifestyle of sin that could only produce death. But Christ came as a second Adam so that all men after him would know new life. You've been given new life. Don't live under the old. Don't, don't live with that yoke. Christ broke it. Don't, don't, don't take that yoke back upon yourself and put that on your shoulders and tape it up and try to walk around with it. He broke that off of you because he loves you, because he wants you to walk in a new life, because he wants you to see yourself different, transformed, changed. He put his deposit inside of you and gave your life worth and value. Don't try to take it out. Don't let the world try to take it out. Don't let the enemy try to take it out. God loves us. And uh, just as I'm kind of coming to a close, I want to give you five quick things. Five quick things to show you how God loves us. Because the love of God is not just a theory. The love of God is not just songs on a screen. The love of God is not just, oh, a bunch of people in here talking about something so we can all get some feel-goods in here and we can go out there. It's not progressive Christianity. No, the love of God is a real experience that you can walk in every single day and know that you know that you know. Five things so that you can know the love of God. The first is this. He gives good gifts. He gives. He gives us good gifts. We've already talked about it, the, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and one of the things that Mel was talking about, and again, I, I don't want to re-preach the whole thing, but I got it just was going all through me. He gave us the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And he paid Jesus Christ to purchase us out of bondage. He gave his son and he deposits his Holy Spirit. What's left? Himself. Himself. And, and, he, and he has granted us access to himself. He gives us good gifts. 
2 Peter 3.9, and he wants everybody to experience it. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God wants everyone to experience the salvation that Christ purchased, the deposit of the Holy Spirit, so that they then can experience him for eternity. He gives good gifts, and he gives us gifts not to go into Matthew 7, but Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Are you asking him? Are you asking him? Or do you not believe in the love that he has, therefore you don't ask? Because why would he? He don't love me. No, he, he, he loves you. He's already loved you. We've He gives us gifts. The second thing that he does is he corrects us. And boy, correction is so much fun. Those t-shirts, so we were going to get some t-shirts made up, Jill. Sell them for for some of our merchandise. God's correction, I love it. We're going to sell so many of them t-shirts. No, that that doesn't sell to people. Because correction isn't fun. But God still does it because he loves us. Revelation 3.19 says, To those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. God sees things from another perspective and he corrects us because he loves us. I, all of yesterday, we waking up from our nap and uh, all of come in there and the right side of her nose was bulged way out because she had taken some of her book, tore it, chewed it up, And up her nose it went. She thought it sounded like a great idea. Tons of fun. She was so proud walking in there. Look. And that's how some of us are in our ignorance and in our foolishness. We we sounded like a great idea when I shoved that up my nose. But we didn't think about, one, if I tear up all my books and shove them up my nose, I have less books to read. We didn't think about how foolish we look walking around with something big wad of something shoved up our nose. And we didn't think about the harm that it could cause if we left that in there for too long. That's how we are with our sin. We don't understand. We don't don't see it from God's perspective, but that's how God sees it when we're acting like a fool. Get that out of your nose. Let me come paddle you so you don't do that again. And don't tear stuff up. He corrects us, and God corrects us through conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if we can't get that one, he sends godly people our our way. And if we don't get that one, we get his passive wrath. Because there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ, but but God's passive wrath has to correct us, and that's, that's a fun one. The old consequences of our actions. That's a great teacher, right? But you remember falling down and hurting your arm because you were standing on top of the stool with one. You remember that. Therefore, I'm going to walk in wisdom the next time I do that. God loves us. He corrects us. He rebukes us. And it's so that we can live the God kind of life because he loves us. It's the second way he corrects us. The third thing that he does, because he's so good to us, he encourages us. He does not discourage us. I'm going to say that again. God encourages us. He does not discourage us. 
He will try to dissuade us from sinning, but God does not discourage us. He encourages us. He speaks good things over us because he knows that the power of life and death is in what he says. Because when God says something, there's power and there's life behind it. Matthew 10, 29, I feel like this is such a dad response to, to, to us. Matthew 10, verse 29 and 30. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth than a whole bunch of sparrows. That just sounds like such a dad answer. Hey, you're worth than a, you're worth than a whole bunch of pennies. Don't worry, you got, a whole, you got a whole bunch worth. You're like a whole bunch of pennies. You're valuable to God. He knows every hair or how little hair you have on your head. Some of it's easier to number than others. But that's okay. He's got it all numbered. He's got it all numbered. And he knows your worth to him because he's the one that paid it. And he chose to pay it. You're worth way more to me than some sparrows. As a matter of fact, you're worth the life of my son, the deposit of my Holy Spirit, it's inside of you to transform you. He encourages us. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go means wherever you go. God will be with you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dis- I'm not, he's saying I'm not the discourager. Be encouraged through me. Be encouraged by what I say. Be encouraged by my word, the the Bible, to encourage you in those moments where you feel like you're at your lowest, like what Hannah was saying. When you feel like you're at your darkest and your deep, he encourages us. Taking it a step further, though, what God does is, the fourth thing is he watches over us. God loves us enough that he watches, oh, he, he actually watches, this isn't, this isn't a, a, a parallel to something that we're trying to think about. No, God watches over you. He watches over you. And that's not, ooh, God is watching over you. Ooh, you better, you better look out. I mean, he watches over you because he's thinking about you. Because he cares about you. Because he values you, because he wants to protect you. I love Psalm 121, verse 5. It just comes right out and says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, for the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Why forevermore? Because God's going to love you tomorrow enough to watch over you tomorrow. Why a week? Why forevermore? Because God loves you, loved you yesterday when he saw you do that thing. And, and today he's watching over you because he loves you. Because he wants you to have a good godly life. Because he wants you to have Zoe, the God kind of life. He loves you forevermore. He'll watch over you forevermore. Even when you think, I, I, he's, he's not around, he ain't going to watch over me. He's still watching over you. Because there's not a height nor a depth nor a place that you can go or a place where you can be taken away where God's love can't reach you and he can't watch over you and be with you. He watches over us. I, I love this, this passage. 
Isaiah 49, verse 15 says, Can a mother forget the child nursing at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forgive you. I will not forget you. God, God watches over you. And he knows that he's the one. He didn't forget that he, he, that he took care of you yesterday. And then today he's, oh, they need food and water today. How are we going to make that happen? Uh, it, that's not how God thinks. That's not how God operates. God is intentful, and he loves you, and he's pursuing you, and he loves you. He watches over you. And the last, the last thing, and I, I say this one for last, because I think it's just so important when we're talking about the love of God. He is always available for you. He's always available for you. His door is always open for you. He's not too busy doing Lord of the Universe stuff to not have time for you. Everything he's done, everything he created on this earth was so that we could live and move and, and breathe and because he loves us. He's always available. In Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you in the Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The question that I always used to ask myself is, why did God roll away the stone? Why did God roll away the stone? I mean, think about it. Why did God roll away the stone? Later on, when he appears before the disciples, he's, he's walking through the walls. They're talking about him, and he comes into the... So it wasn't, it wasn't to let him out. telling you, this is, going to, this is going to break through for somebody like it broke through for me. God didn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. He rolled away the stone to let Mary, Magdalene and Mary in so they could see. So they could see what God was up to. So many people think that God, God is far off. And doesn't want you to come in and see what he's doing. That he doesn't want you to get to be a part, to get to experience, to get to see, to get to know, to get to, to, get to feel his love, to get to be shown his love because of whatever the circumstance is. And, and God just rolls those stones away. He's still doing that. I'm not trying to sing Lauren Daigle's song, but he's He's still rolling stones away. 
and he's inviting us in. It's not for his sake. It's so that we can see the miracles, so that we can experience the power, so that we can know his love. God's still doing that. He's accessible. He wants you to see him. He wants you to know him. In closing, I want to say this. Life can seem fickle and unforgiving at times. And the seasons that we go through will try to do their best to discourage us on just how much God loves us. Try to hide away the things that God is doing, that the miracles that he's performing, uh, trying to water down what we believe about God's love that we should know to be true. And if we spend our lives waiting for a convenient time, an easy time, a downtime for us to recognize God's love, what you got to know is the enemy is never going to let that happen. He's never going to let that happen. And you will spend your life alone in your sorrows because you never make the life-changing choice to trust God and keep his love before you. And every season of your life from here on out would always be determined by how much or how little pain you go through. Church, we've not been promised a life free of sorrow, a life free of setbacks, a life free of conflict. However, what has been promised is greater than that. It's just as every single day the sun will rise and a new day will start as it comes over the horizon, so too come the Lord's mercies every single day. And his love is new and renewed every single day. Each day forward, fear will try to creep in and present itself with the potential troubles and try to steal away what God has already promised and set aside for you to experience today, his love. And it's a God kind of life. But God has promised us that his unfailing love and his unfailing faithfulness toward us will be new every single day. And if we choose to allow it in, it will keep us. This means we'll go from glory to glory. Not by choosing to put on rose-colored glasses and pretend like everything's okay all the time. But rather we accept the reality that God's love is real. And if God's love is real, then the life that he has prepared for us is real. And if the life that he's prepared for us is real, then what's stopping us? There's nothing. Because God loves us. The love of God is powerful, it's real, and he wants you to experience it. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.